Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, psychologist, relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, author of Love Magnet and Athletic Wear Connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract to healthy relationship. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. Buckle up and let's get vulnerable. You're tired of repeating the same patterns over and over again, dating emotionally unavailable partners who won't show up, who won't commit, and you find yourself in this endless cycle of relationships that go nowhere. I want you to know you are not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. All that needs to change is you becoming securely attached and rewiring your brain with healthy relationship belief systems so that you can then attract and maintain a healthy, securely attached, emotionally available partnership. I have helped over 500 women heal so that they can have the kind of love they deserve. And now it's your turn. If you've been on the fence, this is an incredible time to join the Empowered Secure Love program. When you join in January, you get a never before released course I developed called the Morning Alignment Course. This is the morning practice that's changed my life. I'm going to go in depth on everything you need for identity change. You're also going to get the morning alignment journal, a journal I've worked on for years. It's finally available. We're going to mail it to you. And on top of that, we are offering a bonus month in the program so that you can feel extra supported and know that you have time to work through this life-changing work. So this offer ends at the end of January. I don't want you to miss out. This is the time. If you know I cannot repeat my same dating patterns, the kinds of relationships that I had in 2023, and you know I need 2024 to be different, I'm ready to enjoy my dating life and feel at ease and feel securely attached and welcome in the kind of relationship that I deserve. If that's you, I've got you covered. Apply to the Empowered Secure Love program today. You can use the link in the show notes. And this process is really simple. You'll speak with my team. They will do a totally free relationship consultation with you and determine if the program is a good fit for what you're looking for. I know there's someone listening who really needs this work and just hasn't felt that they're worthy of it or they have been putting it off and they're prioritizing other things. I want you to know you are so worthy of doing this healing work for yourself apply to the program today using the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us, a graduate of the Empowered Secure Love program, Jen Flood. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Morgan. I'm happy to be here. Oh, so excited to have you. 
And I, I want to read a little bio so the audience can get to know you a little bit. So about Jen, Jen is a recent graduate of the Empowered Secure Love program. She is on a mission to be her most authentic, confident, and secure self. She is working hard to heal her disorganized attachment style and speaks vulnerably about her struggles of self-trust, love, and confidence, and how that shows up in her relationships with herself and others. Yes, Jen, it's so good to see you. It's great to see you. I know it's been a little while, but I'm I'm so happy to be here and and start off my morning this way. Yes. I would love to start with a little bit about where you were before coming to us and and what your life was like. How how did you feel day to day? You know, just kind of give us an idea of of what your life was like before doing the program. Yeah, I would say in two words, a hot mess, or really that's three. Um, <laughs> I uh, really struggled in particularly romantic relationships, um, which was sort of the catalyst for me to start listening to your podcast, which later ended me in, in the program or landed me in the program. And I was just in a place of I don't know what to do. I've done all this healing work. I've been in therapy for years, um, but I'm not getting any momentum within my dating life. Um, I kept seeing to repeating the same patterns over and over again, picking the same people um, and just really unfulfilled in that department. And I just felt I wasn't able to connect with others in my life about it. And also, you know, in therapy, which is great. And I, I love my therapist, but I, we just could never get to sort of the root of, of what was going on for me. Um, and I had no clue that there was all of this language and support and understanding about why this is happening to me, because I felt I was the only one. And I know so many people relate to that um, and feeling that there's something inherently wrong with you. Um, and I've struggled with that shame and been diagnosed all sorts of things in my life, including borderline personality disorder when I was younger um, and being really confused. And so when I arrived in this program, there was so much that started to make sense for me and really click. Thank you so much for sharing. And you know that that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping people understand attachment styles and how disorganized attachment um, can look like borderline personality disorder. I don't even like saying the word. When I go to say the word, yeah. I don't even want to say it because I know how like stigmatizing it is. And I was just like you, I was almost diagnosed with it, like talked through it with a therapist. Uh, when I was younger. And I just think how much more helpful and supportive understanding disorganized attachment is instead of having that label of a personality disorder. Um, yeah. So I'm so curious what that's been like for you, really understanding disorganized attachment style and having that compassion for yourself. I would say it gave me language to communicate to others and also 
within myself around understanding behaviors and actions and really giving myself compassion um, in understanding those pieces. I think for the longest time, and, and I would say even presently right now, I am very hard on myself. I really hold myself to this high standard, particularly after healing and going through all this work on myself and in the program. Mm -hmm. And my disorganized attachment shows up even with all this work that I've done on myself. And so there's it, although it's been really rewarding and having that language and understanding of behaviors and, and why I'm choosing partners and why I'm acting a certain way in a relationship, I also, on the flip side of that, um, feel as though I still have so much to go, like so much growth to go in understanding that. Um, but just, I think, to speak on disorganized attachment, it really allowed me to understand when I'm pushing someone away and pulling them in, that would be how I would describe disorganized attachment. And I currently still do that in my securely attached relationship that, I've, that I'm working really hard in right now. And if you ask my partner, he would tell you that it drives him wild. Um, but with the language and the understanding of it, I can use that as a roadmap to understanding and explaining that this is really not me. And I think being able to have that understanding to detach from this is not the core of who Jen is. Jen is so much more than whether it is a personality disorder or whether it is disorganized attachment. Those are coping mechanisms that I've learned through my childhood and my life and have now brought them into my relationships. And that's something that I know you've taught me and in the program um, working with other coaches have also taught me. Um, and so removing that shame as well of this, this doesn't have to be this way and I can heal that is what really grounds me in those days that are really hard, which mm. was just the other day for me. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I love the, like being able to normalize, this is a lifelong commitment. Um, and I do want to talk more about that. We'll kind of get to some of the shifts that have happened for you and, what it looks like to have an idea of securely attached Jen and, and how, how that helps. Um, but I want to ask you a little bit about beliefs. You know that I love talking about belief systems, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about relationships. And I'm curious for you in your journey in the program, what did you uncover in terms of what were some of the unhealthy beliefs that you had about yourself or relationships? I definitely felt I was unworthy and undeserving of love and healthy relationships. Um, looking back on past relationships, I felt I just made so many mistakes and I really just held myself to this standard that I, I couldn't seem to achieve. And so over time, I started feeling like I, I'm not enough. Um, I don't deserve to have a healthy relationship when I don't feel healthy with myself. Um, I felt that I wasn't good looking enough. I wasn't sexy enough. I, I wasn't, um, confident enough to be in a relationship. I didn't have enough skills to be in a relationship. Um, I hadn't healed enough. The list really goes on and, you know, I, 
writing them out, you know, that exercise I remember doing in the program was, was really challenging to reveal those parts of yourself that you didn't even realize you were holding on to. And yet at the same time was so helpful in reimagining those pieces mm-hmm. um, and, and reframing those to positive affirmations. And that shift over time does start to work and you start to really think, I, you know what, I am I am worthy. I am deserving. Um, I am beautiful the way I am. And I think it's, it's all about internally believing that and that that's been, that's been hard and it's still hard. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. And I've been telling myself this for years, years and years and years and started in my childhood. Yeah. If you're comfortable sharing, I mean, do you mind just kind of, because because I think it's helpful for the audience to relate to this too and just understand where these beliefs can come from. So, do you have awareness of? Obviously, I know it's hard to pinpoint. Well, at this exact moment, this is when my belief that I wasn't <laughs> enough started. But what what would you connect it to in your childhood where you started believing those lies? Mm. I would say as. Um, a child of, well, in the middle of four children, um, I have three siblings and coming from a very dysfunctional family growing up, um, I myself am a very emotionally, I, I sort of hesitate to use the word sensitive, but very um, empathetic, very, very aware of, of people's energies and emotions. Yeah. And I'm very unique in my family in that way. And so there was, you know, there are moments in my childhood where I would, you know, cry when the dog was put down and the rest of my family is sort of processing it in their own way and not showing emotion, not, not leading with vulnerability. And what I was told was to move on from it, to stop being too sensitive, to you are being too much. And that messaging really was ingrained into me at a very young age and I was different from everyone in my family and that messaging still exists in my family to this day. Um, I've had to work to heal that part of my younger self and reframing those pieces for myself and there's a was a lot of grief that came up that I, I didn't get that positive messaging from my parents. Um, that was really hard to accept that what my parents should have been doing was standing up for me, was helping me stand in my power and being a confident, securely attached young Jen. And that didn't happen. Uh, So there's still pain there, but with the pain, there's a revelation and there's, there's sort of a reckoning of, um, I, I am actually enough and I don't need your approval to be enough. Hmm. Wow. I love that you share this. Being a highly sensitive person, I think can often be labeled as too much. And and if you are in a family where that's not the norm and no one kind of can see that for the gift that it really is, that can, that can really make you feel that something's wrong with you, that you are too much. Right. So I, I love that, that you share that. And then I think about now, adult, securely attached Jen showing up as her 
ideal parent currently, right? And how do you show up for little Jen that that feels things deeply and that is very attuned? How how do you show up for her, right? It's all about learning. Okay, I don't want to keep the response that that I received as a child. I internalized a certain response from my parents. That was an unhelpful response. So now I get to say, how do I show up as my ideal parent? And I validate those emotions and I make space for them and I don't judge them, right? So that's that's such a powerful journey that you're on. And it, it is a journey. It's not like you could snap your fingers and boom. But knowing that you're committed to making space for that emotional self, that's so powerful. Yeah, I love that. And I just even having this conversation with you today is just reminding me of, um, you know, when I was really deep in the work, um, just how I think it was just relieving to release that stored up beliefs and just even crying, you know, like self-soothing, allowing yourself to feel that emotion, feel the pain, feel the grief of what should have been and what you're dealing with now. And I think one of the worst things I do is I, I do tend to hold in everything and I, I struggle because I want to share it out, but I know when I share it out, it's, it's going to be a mess. And Mm -hmm. I try to protect people in my life from that. And I've learned that the best way to move forward is to be vulnerable and allow yourself, let your guard down, share with your partner, uh, write it out, you know, write a letter to your parents, even if you don't send it or not, um, get those emotions and feelings out on paper, come back to it on another day and look at it again when you're in a headspace where you can be your own parent. Um, what would you do then? And something I started doing was actually writing three days later in a different color of like securely attached Jen. And I would go in and write positive affirmations of all the things that I felt that were didn't go right or that were really just terrible about myself and reframing those. Um, so those are some tools that I've done and used, but it's, it's a practice as, as you always talk about, it's not an overnight thing. Yes. Oh my goodness. I wish, I wish it could be, I wish that was possible. Right. (laughs) And at the same time, there's something that's so beautiful about taking the time to do the work and prioritizing it and kind of falling back in love with yourself in a way of really deeply knowing yourself and what it is that you need to release. I have been on my healing journey now for gosh, over seven years plus. Um, and it's still part of my day to day. It's something that I can feel it if I'm not making that time to really connect to myself. So I think there is just this acceptance that it's a lifelong process. Um, and obviously things like the program really help move you in the right direction. So I, I do want to talk about that. I'm so curious. Like, what was your experience inside of the program? Maybe we can start with um, maybe what was challenging? Like what was something that maybe it did cause a big breakthrough, but it was challenging in the process? I had a call with one of my really good friends and I was 
about two months into the program and I had done all this work, my morning alignment, I've I did my letters. Um, I was going to groups. I, I felt um, there were shifts happening, micro shifts happening every day. And I could see that. And I almost felt like, you know, I have this superpower. And I had this call with my friend that went really wrong in many ways. And particularly the way that I showed up was my insecurely attached self, um, if you want would like to call it that. Um, really my lack of self-confidence and just inability to communicate my needs, be assertive. And it, it just, it was a really, really hard call. And when I got off the call, I, I broke down, you know, I had, Mm. I really released the emotion that I was feeling and I had a breakthrough moment. And I realized that I have showed up this way in so many areas of my life in my, whether it's at work, whether my relationships, friendships, um, going back to even where I choose to live and just not leading with my secure attached self. And I realized that even though this program is designed specifically for relationships, it affects every single area of your life. Yes, it does. Yeah. And it, that that's hard. Like it was hard to reckon with. I thought I was going in with this sort of one dimensional, like I'm going to fix my relationships and I've got everything else already sort of dealt with. And that's not the case at all. You Once you unravel everything, you start to realize there's so much more here um, mm-hmm. that needs healing, that needs your attention. Um, and that, that is okay as well. That's, that's okay to give yourself that time to explore that. But I think I was frustrated in that moment because I was like, oh, I, I, three months of this program, I'm going to like, I'm going to be dating, like, great. My relationship's going to be perfect. Even that word perfect, right? Like you think Mm -hmm. (laughs) with expectations we put on ourselves, um, and, and just really peeling it back and, and seeing it for what it was, it, it gave an opening as well. And I, I think I reached out in our, our private Facebook group and, and shared that. And so many people related to that and, yep. uh, which was, you know, your part of your question of like what my experience was having that community of other people, other women who are going through similar things or can relate was just so, it was just awe, it was awe-inspiring and, and just so like capturing of what life is like, but also having the feeling of not being alone, which was so much of my life before this, emotional loneliness um, and being able to share those emotions with other people in that group and have coaches support you through that, you feel like a totally different person. Oh, I love that you that you shared that the community is something that a lot of people when they first learned about the program, they're like, Oh, it'll be okay. And then it's the thing that they end up loving so much. I think sometimes we don't realize how much we actually need community, we can become yes. so disconnected and isolated. We don't even realize, Oh, wow, my, my soul, like my emotional self was craving community of people that get it that are on the same journey. So I I love that you shared that about the community. It's, it's really helpful. Um, 
And then the piece about how this impacts all areas of your life. It's so funny. I, I hear that all the time. I, and it's almost at the point where it's like, do we need to change the name of the program? Like <laughs> your securely attached life? Because it does. It changes all areas of your life. Like, like everyone who goes through the program has changes in their, their friendships, in their work life in their physical health and their financial health. It's like, it just, it applies everywhere. So I, I totally relate to kind of your like almost, um, light bulb moment slash overwhelm of, whoa, this isn't just about my romantic relationship. This is about how I show up everywhere in my life. It's true. Um, so as you went through the process and obviously experienced some, some major shifts and had some, some breakthrough moments, what, what changed about how you show up in your relationship with your partner? What changed there? Yeah, I would say conflict navigation was a huge area and more specifically assertive communication. Uh, One of my biggest takeaways from the program that I read to myself every day is that my needs matter. And that is a new thing for me for my whole life of putting my needs second to support and care for other people. And to be able to to come at this knowing that my needs are valid, my needs matter, and I'm not quote unquote needy um, in my relationship and and asserting that. And this is for me where my standards are. This is where I'm at. And knowing that if somebody cannot meet those needs or or reacts in a certain way, then, then that's data, that's information that I can collect and move forward with. Um, I think the data collection as well and just not making black and white judgments about a situation. uh, For me, I really tend to go in that flight response of we get in a fight and I'm already fantasizing about leaving and starting over. And that's part of my disorganized attachment and the avoidant attachment of like, oh, well, it's over now. (laughs) We got in a fight and um, I'm already packing my bags and I'm looking for an apartment. Yes. I remember and, that very and, well. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's terrible. Like it's, it's also hard for, you know, your partner to, to go through that because they're like, what are we, what do we do with that? Um, and so for me, the tools of self-soothing again, um, soothing myself first before going to my partner was, has been huge, still huge. Um, mm-hmm. Writing them out in my phone, my, my feelings and thoughts in my phone before sharing that out. Um, And I think also just knowing that sometimes it's okay to uh, take, take a break, take, take some breaths and then come back to the conversation when you aren't feeling securely attached, because that is the reality when we're going through our days and my days when I get migraines or I'm not feeling great and I know I'm not showing up well, I think goes back to communication as well. So how am I communicating that to my partner? Um, are they receiving that information? Um, and and really, how am I showing up for myself first before I engage in that? 
Mm-hmm. So good. It sounds like really learning this beautiful thing that everyone needs to learn, which is how can I respond instead of react? Yes. The, the space between something happening and me responding and allowing there to be that space and then to say intentionally, how do I want to show up? And then I, I love what you mentioned about if I know that, you know, you said if, if you have a migraine or you're feeling off and you know, okay, I'm not really showing up as my securely attached self here and there's not a whole lot I can do to really move myself there, then what a great idea to share that with your partner and just let them know like, hey, I'm not really operating as my best self today. I'm going to do my best, but I did want to let you know, please don't take it personally. Like I'm, I'm really working on myself right now. That's right. That's great. Yeah. And it's, you know, some days are better than others in communicating that, but it as a practice, which has also invited my partner to be able to share that with me as well. So really getting him also out of his comfort zone and, and sharing he's not having a great day. And a part of that is the the reciprocity of you're also allowed to have a bad day and to share that. And I think there's a lot of stigmatization with men in particular around being able to take a bad day and, and share that they're not feeling them, their best selves. And so that's also given a sort of breeding ground for us to practice um, that within our relationship. And something I use a lot, Dr. Morgan, which you'll love is I always go back to our relationship culture what is our relationship culture? You know, how, how do we want to create this relationship, co-create securely, you know, attachment in our relationship. And when we're in arguments and escalations, that's sort of the anchor that, that grounds us is we're trying to create this together. We're not trying to fight each other. We're fighting for this together. Um, and so even though like that's sort of in the, the early stages of dating, it's really helped us we're about seven months into our relationship. It's really helped us um, move forward on the hardest days. I love that. Yes, you know, I'm a huge fan of that concept of, yes, we are building a culture, any relationship we're in. What are the norms? What are the standards? How do we communicate? It's a culture. Um, I love that you talked about conflict navigation too, because that is huge for basically every single couple out there. Even if you're securely attached, you really need to learn how to navigate conflict well. I'm I'm curious, did did you use the dialogue framework in the program? Have you guys tried that out? We have. I actually printed it out and right. <laughs> the the inner nerd in me just comes out. And you know, we have gone through that together and um practiced the you know the receiver um, the speaker, like we have, we've, we have tried that. And, um, we are also in couples therapy as well, which also helps in, in giving that framework too. Um, and I would say that I, I'm going to be really honest here. There are moments where I feel like I've got it totally nailed. Like, I'm like, I, I can listen to you. I, I can hear what you're saying. I can repeat back what you're saying. I'm open, my body language, like all those things I feel I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I, on the other end, when my partner is not doing that, when he's like, you know, sort of missing the mark on, on what I'm expecting, I shut down and I put a guard up, I put a wall up and that makes him shut down even more. And so a part of that 
I would say that I also have learned is I need to be willing to be patient, but also understanding and asking questions of, is this working for you as well? Mm -hmm. Because the ways that I deal with conflict, you know, maybe I put on a pedestal and feel it's the healthiest way to deal with it, but that's not always the case. And I, I think that's something we're still struggling with is, is how do we handle conflict together? And when do we do that? I think that's also part of it. We, we choose sometimes the wrong times to do it. Yeah. You know, like we're Every both tired. Does. <laughs> like Every it's couple the... does. It's like, um, yeah. we wanted to bring this up at 10 o'clock at night when you're both in bed and trying to sleep. What a great time. It's like, no, you, yeah, you have to be very intentional about when do you yeah. have bandwidth and capacity. So you are, I mean, that's just, I want to just normalize that. Like that is a normal couple's growth experience there of learning, okay, how do we navigate conflict and when are the best times and how do we honor if I'm really, really ready to talk about this, but my partner isn't and how yeah. can I say, okay, I, I do want this to feel good for them too. So I need to be patient and we can agree on a time. Yeah. And I think that's where the anxious attachment for me comes out, um, where if I don't, I, I feel like we need to fix it right away and I start to ruminate and I catastrophize and I go into protest behaviors of mm -hmm. feeling like, you know, okay, if you don't want to talk about it now, then we're never going to talk about it then, or just forget it, or I don't matter to you. And I have to catch myself in those spirals and it's hard in the heat of the moment because you're mm -hmm. feeling upset and you're, and you're hurt, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, and, and Tyler is really good at sort of bringing me back down of like, okay, we're, <laughs> what's really going on here? Um, but that's practice. And sometimes that doesn't go right. And sometimes it really does. And it allows us to, to, um, deepen our connection, but it's yes. so normal. And I, I think that's, it's, one of the areas that we still struggle with. And I think most, as you mentioned, most couples do. Yes, absolutely. And, and I will say, um, you know, the more that you do this, the more that you practice, the easier that it gets. So I do think there's kind of a learning curve when it comes to conflict navigation. Um, and you, you really can get to a place where you know each other, you know what your needs are around conflict and around reassurance. Um, and it really can get easier. And the most important thing in healthy, securely attached relationships is that both people want to do the work. Mm. I can't emphasize that enough. When you are in a relationship, if you have one person that's not wanting to show up, that doesn't want to work on things, that doesn't want to yeah. co-create secure attachment, then you're facing an uphill battle, right? Uh, so the fact that you can be a team and say, okay, let's face this problem of how do we navigate conflict together and you both want to work on it, that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it just sort of reminded me of past relationships I've had where I felt like I was sort of dragging them along, um, along the ride of yes. like, okay, I'm going to do all this work in labor. And what that led was it led to resentment. I, I got to that point where I, I was out the door um, because I felt I was doing all the work and I was exhausted by that labor. And um, that's what I've learned is in my relationship now, um, I'm not doing that. 
anymore. And that's actually a boundary for me. I'm, I don't want to be in a, a one-sided relationship where I'm constantly working on the relationship. We both need to be doing that together. And I know it's hard. And a lot of people have not had the healing and the and work on themselves, but it is possible. And I think that's a huge piece for me is it is possible. It's just the willingness to do it is what Mm. um, people get stuck in. And I'm just at a place in my life where I'm not willing to be in those relationships anymore. Um, They do not serve me. So good. So good. Yeah. It's the willingness. And even, you know, this applies everywhere else too, doesn't it? Work, friendship, everywhere. Just that willingness of, Hey, well, this isn't working. This is maybe something we could do and let's work on it together. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a, a long time friend. I've known her since 2011. Um, it's so a long time. We go way back. And we were talking recently about feeling disconnected of like, we haven't talked. And I think the insecure me would be like, oh, well, I guess she just doesn't want to be friends anymore. I just don't fit in her life anymore. <laughs> right. Like that avoidant attachment. And then the secure me gets to talk to her and say, hey, we haven't talked as much. Let's work on this. Let's come up with a monthly phone check-in, you know, and turns out she's on the same page and wants to do that. And it's like, yes, you're important to me. Let's prioritize our friendship. So I just think it's wild how um, our insecure attachment brain can just start to tell all these stories really quickly too, right? Um, So really learning how to say, nope, I'm going to move back to secure. And when you have that reciprocal relationship, then you both get to work on it together and say, what does it look like to co-create it? So clearly you, you have that concept down and you're in it and you're, you're doing the work of it. Yeah, we we're definitely in the work of it. And, and, you know, as we've talked about today, like I also want to normalize that it, it is hard and it, it it's not easy. And I just have so much compassion for, for honestly everyone who's navigating relationships and dating because these are not things that we're taught at a young age. These are things that we have to learn on our own and learning them comes with unlearning so many things we believe about ourselves and so much of what I've learned in relationships is a lot of what I'm feeling and sharing out is about myself and not always about my partner. And so really when you have that relationship with yourself, you can actually speak from a securely attached place. It's, it's not the different versions of you or the disorganized attachment. Mm -hmm. It's actually who you are. And that peace and knowing that you feel it in your body, you, you know, when, you are feeling securely attached, you're relaxed, you're in a state where you can actually um, share and communicate those needs. And I wish I was taught that. I, I wish I was taught that at such a younger age. It would have saved me so many heartbreaks and relationships mm. and you know, so many messy situationships that I've been in in the past and hurt so many people throughout that process. And um, you know, I, I, it's like we said, lifelong journey. Well, I know that you sharing your story and being vulnerable is really inspiring the people that are listening to this episode. So thank you for sharing that and, and being open. Um, I, I do want to ask you just a little bit about kind of like 
where you see yourself in terms of your healing journey and like, what are, what are the things that you're focusing on now after the program? I know a lot in the relationship, but even just with yourself, I know, I guess self-compassion seems to continue to be a theme, but I'm curious what, what else is there that you're focused on? Yeah, I, I would say, um, my word of the year is authenticity. And I think for me that comes with being securely attached and I think it's about practice. So I have all the the tools I like to say, you know, in my toolbox, I, you know, I've done the program, I've, I've done the work. Um, and for me, it's about putting those into practice every day and meeting myself where I am every day. And I, you know, having that compassion on days that are really hard um, and just bringing that into every aspect of my life, not just my relationship as well. I think sometimes it's easy to apply to our relationships because they're so readily available to us that we can practice there. It's, it is, it's a safe place to practice because we're around them all the time. I live with my partner, so I can totally, you know, do conflict navigation, all those things. But what does that look like in the workplace and with friendships, with my family? I'm still, I still struggle with that and mm -hmm. still struggle with showing up authentic and securely attached in everything that I do. Going back to that breakthrough call I had, um, that's my, my goal really this year and my healing work is to actually put into practice what I know and forgiving myself for my past, which I'm, I'm still working on, forgiving myself for for the choices I made and, and had to do out of survival and, and out of lack of, of support and, and, and care from other people. And so that, that's sort of the, the journey that I'm on next is I, I need to be able to do that for myself before I, I can do any of that work, but I, I can do it. And I, I think that's also the piece is we sometimes feel we can't do it and we can, we do have the, the capacity to, um, it just mm -hmm. may take a little longer and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Release the timeline, release the yes. timeline. Absolutely. That's so powerful. And, you know, I loved what you said earlier too, about when you are your securely attached self, you, you are your, your real self, like your true yes. self. And I think you said that your word of the year is authenticity. So I, I really connect those things, right. Of like, if I'm not letting the baggage of my past or my insecure attachment style or my old belief system, if I'm not letting that impact me and, and weigh me down as I show up day to day, then I can be my authentic self, which is your secure self, which knows that you are enough, that you are valuable and your relationships are valuable, that you can be attuned to Jen and you can be attuned to the people in your life, that you get to do both. So I, I love, I love that word for you and, and how it connects to secure attachment. Um, I want to ask you, so we have a lot of people listening to the podcast who want to do the work on themselves, but they're kind of stuck. Maybe they have a lot of shame. You, know, you talked about forgiving yourself. I think that's so many people where they can't even, they're like so scared to even look at it because they just have so much shame. Um, but what would you say? To that person who's feeling really stuck, but they know they need to do the work. Mm. My heart goes out to you, um, first and foremost. 
I would say you're not alone. There's so many people who struggle with that, myself included. Um, then there is nothing wrong with you. And you are, it is not your fault for the way that you are and or the behaviors, not the who you are, because that's where shame sneaks in and makes us feel that there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, and that's, I have to write in that in my journal almost every day. There is nothing wrong with you and you're beautiful the way that you are in all, all of the messiness, all of the hardness. And that's what makes you a, a human at the end of the day. Um, and I would say it's, it's never too late to start. I think that's also a fallacy out there that it's, it's too late for me or I'm older and I have kids or, um, you know, I'm, I'm deep into my work and I don't have time for it. It's never too late. And even if it's just small micro doses, those become bigger pieces over time. And you, you learn over time that that actually feels better than the way that you're living. And you'll feel it in your body. You'll feel it in yourself and people will start to notice and you'll start to notice. And I, I get that it's hard financially. It's hard. And there's, there's so many barriers. Um, but you have to ask yourself, what type of life do I want to live? And what am I willing to do to get there? And that for me has come from a place of, I have to feel that I'm worthy of, of living and worthy of being. And there is always, always that within you. There is, you have to dig a little deeper and it takes a lot of courage, but there is always going to be a part in you that wants to survive, that wants to change, that wants to, to become the best version of yourself. And I would say, listen to that part and small, like start small. I love it. Oh, that was so, so beautiful. I think it's that idea that, hey, you're worthy of investing into your yes. well-being and to you thriving, not just surviving. I think so many of us, based on our childhoods, we just get really used to just surviving. We don't even allow ourselves to think about, well, what would it be like if I felt really good and I had really healthy yeah. relationships, right? We don't think about that next level. So yeah, I love that message so much. Um, so if someone is listening, they've been thinking about the program specifically, what, what would you say to them about the program? Just do it. Uh, <laughs> if you're, okay, if you're contemplating it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. I, I spent months contemplating it. I was listening to your podcast, Dr. Murray, and I, I loved it. I was put it on every morning. I was driving to work and I was just, you know, I kept thinking, well, what if I was that person? Like, maybe I could be that person and never thought I'd be on your podcast. Like I, I wouldn't envision that. And then I'd go to work and it would, you know, go to the back burner. Um, and I just had a, you know, a, a moment last year and I just said, you know, I, I can't keep living this way any longer and I, I need support. And I had a, an amazing call um, that sort of made me realize like I, I, I need help. That was the, the first thing I think I said when I, when I called your team. I was like, I need help and I don't know yeah. how to do this. And I think you, you can find a way to do that. And in, like you said, it's, it's an investment. It's an investment in yourself and you are deserving of that investment. You're deserving to be cared for, to put yourself first, to choose you. And it does feel amazing when you see those results. It's like working out, right? Like 
it's a, it's the same sort of investment and you will be surprised how much this affects everything in your life. It really is transformative. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm just so happy I got to have this conversation with you today and connect with you. I know that you're such a valued member of our community. Um, I just have always appreciated seeing your shares in, in the group. And I, I know that by you coming on today, you're helping so many people who are listening to this episode. So I hope you really feel that and take that in. Thank you. I'm, I'm soaking that in and I, yeah, I, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for inviting me and, um, for creating this beautiful program that, you know, is, didn't exist when I was younger and I'm so yeah. glad that I, that I got it. And, and I, that's what, you know, it's not too late to, to sign up. And, and I just, I think it's really, really transformative and, and I think you're doing amazing work. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Jen. And yes, if you related to Jen's story um, and you know that you need to do the work on yourself, then I would invite you to apply to the program. There's the link in the show notes just as Jen talked about, you'll have a call with my team. They just get to know you and they'll assess if it's the right fit for you. Um, and then you can get started. So don't wait. You're so worthy of doing this work. Jen, I always ask my guests a question before I let them go. So I want to ask you, um, if you were walking down the street and someone comes up to you and they want your best life advice of the moment, um, what would you say to them? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I think I would say you are worthy of being alive and you're worthy of being here in whatever shape that takes. I love that message. It's so simple, uh, but it just really gets to the core of what so many people suffer with yeah. that feeling of like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, yes. So I love that of like, yeah, you're, you're worthy of being alive. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah and, and that, you know, so much of my life I've spent not wanting to, to be here and, and to, to really struggle with that and that shame. And so I really want people to know they're not alone and, um, mm. that you, you're here and you are divine and you have a gift that nobody else has. Ah, so good. What a way to end. I love that so much. Thank you for coming on the show, for being vulnerable. It was such a pleasure to have you as my guest. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Morgan. This was, this was so joyful. And yeah, I just love what you're doing. Thank you. And to everyone listening, of course, we're wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this show grow, the more people will be able to help. Until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.